Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting His kingdom. Our service times are Sunday at 9 a.m., followed by a second service at 10.45 a.m. Today's message is, What is a Yoke? Here's Pastor Philip Thomas. Uh, It is Labor Day. Uh, which is kind of ironic, right? Because on Labor Day, we actually are supposed to not labor. So I don't know, maybe it should be uh, rest day. It's kind of a, an interesting name. It's a, and whenever you start thinking about labor and working and, and, and what all that means, it's kind of, kind of a, has an interesting history to it. Um, it you know, throughout, throughout all of history, and especially since the Industrial Revolution and things like that, labor has changed. You know, used to, for thousands of years, you either labored or you died, right? Like, you had to make your own food. You had to do all of that. That, that was basically what your life consisted of. Well, then the Industrial Revolution happens, and, uh, and you start to have an expanding world, and things start to change. And, uh, and so then you start to actually have real jobs and that where you are working for someone else, not just for your, your own goods, but you're working for someone else. And that's developed over time. Well, and that's had a very rocky history because the, the relationship between labor and management has always been kind of a rough one. Right, and uh, and what's interesting about it is it, it used to really be bad, and that's why Labor Day actually came about. It was kind of recognizing the laborers, recognizing uh, the workers, and how important that they are. Um, but the reason that it came about is because workers haven't always been respected; they haven't always been treated uh, the way that they should. And uh, you know, so you, you go way back where. Uh, management basically would uh, treat workers just, just strictly as more commodities, right? And it was like, oh, we'll just work them until they can't work anymore. They really weren't seen as, as people. It was more, that's just a, a means to, to produce more. And so workers were being taken advantage of. So then you had unions and things like that start to form. And, uh, and things kind of swung the other way. And then, that, and then there were labor unions, and sometimes they would take advantage the other way. And it's just this messy relationship between the laborer and management. And we still have that today, even though today it's much better for, and most companies now recognize the importance of employees and, and, and doing things to help employees and things like that. Obviously, it's not perfect, but it, it is much better. Um, but we still have this tension between the worker and management. Right? And I, I was using this example earlier. If you think about McDonald's, um, and, and if you think about if you entered into McDonald's at the, the entry level, right? You would enter in probably as, as someone who uh, cleaned up in the kids' play area, right? And, uh, and that, that would be your job, and you would be looking over, and you'd see the cashier, and you'd be like, man, that, that, that's the next step, right? And you would probably kind of resent the cashier. You're like, they're not any better than me, right? And then one day, you would get, become the cashier, and then all of a sudden, your resentment would change, and you say, oh, that assistant manager. You know what? I know just as much as him or her. Right, And then you would become the assistant manager. And it's funny, the tension just changes every position that you get in. 
And, uh, and some of you may have experienced, but this happens all the time. If you are in just kind of uh, the a general office worker and you're part of the group, right? And, and what, what happens around the water cooler, right? Is you talk about management and how you could do a better job. Well, then one day you get offered the job to become the manager. And so on Friday, you're good friends with all these people. And then on Monday, you start your job as manager, and all of a sudden, that relationship has completely changed. Those people view you completely different. You're not. You may, you may want to, you still want to be friends, but now you're management, right? It's this weird uh, dynamic that we have. And, uh, and, and so whenever we talk about labor, the last thing that comes to mind is rest, Right? You know, whenever you think of the, the relationship and work and things like that, it, is, it can be and it is very chaotic. And most of us, whenever we think about work, we don't get a sense of rest. And, and I want to, to explore that idea today, especially with tomorrow being Labor Day, of what does that really mean. And I think one, one thing that sometimes that we do is that we view God kind of the way that we view management, right? That, that God is the manager, right? And so he's the one that, that tells us what to do. And now we, we have this idea, well, but he's a good manager, right? We say good, good father, so he's good. And so that's, that's a positive. We think that he has our best interests. But sometimes we still view him as this guy up here who's telling us what to do and who cares about us. And it, sometimes it keeps that same kind of relational dynamics where we feel like we're the employee and he's the boss. And that's, we've got to be careful with that because usually that doesn't have uh, good outcomes whenever we start viewing people that way, right? And, and if we view God as simply just our boss, man, how are we ever going to find rest in him? So we're going to look in Matthew chapter 10, uh, 11 today, and uh, we're going to be at the, the last few verses, but I want to, to kind of set this up and um, what's going on. Uh, Jesus has recently sent out the 12 disciples to go and, and to uh, share the message of the kingdom of God with the communities around. And uh, so you get the feeling that Jesus is kind of on his own right now. We're not sure exactly. I'm sure there's some people with him, but the disciples are gone. And so he starts going to some of the towns in Galilee, which is the area where he would have grown up. And uh, so these people would have been familiar with Jesus um, and, and known basically who he was, I'm sure. And, and uh, what happens is he's going and, and he does miracles and things like that, but doesn't get a great response. And, uh, and in fact, um, and man, you can read through, uh, starting in verse 20, uh, he, he really comes down on some of these communities, says, you know, if I would have uh, done these kind of miracles in Sodom, you know, remember Sodom back in the Old Testament, you know, hellfire, brimstone gets destroyed. Yeah, he said, if I would have done these miracles back then, they would have received me better than you are. This is pretty, pretty serious stuff. And so what was happening is these people, they were hearing Jesus, but they really weren't changing. They loved the miracles. They're like, oh, that's really cool. I'm glad you're doing that. Thank you for, for giving us a show. But they really weren't changing, right? And, and, and I think a lot of it was because they thought they had it figured out already, 
right? They were like, ah, we, don't, we don't need any extra, extra help. We're, we're glad you're here. Good, good for you. But they weren't repenting. They weren't changing their mind. They weren't changing the way they approached uh, God. And so they were, Jesus was, was pretty frustrated with all of this. And, uh, and in verse 25, he says this. He says, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, those are some very famous, if you will, passages, right? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, right? That's the King James Version, the heavy laden. Uh, Come to me, all who are weary, who are burdened. Uh, my, My yoke is light. Right? And, uh, and these are passages that, that are talking about being able to find rest. And not just physical rest. I think there's an aspect of this that is the importance of physical rest. You know, Jesus acknowledges that. You know, that, that rest is important for us. And, and this, is, this is an important thing for us to, to kind of uh, really grasp and wrap our heads around is that we need rest. That is an important thing. It was going all the way back to when Jesus was uh, dealing with Abraham and, and, uh, and then uh, all the way through giving the law to, to Moses. He talked about the Sabbath and the Sabbath rest, this important time that not only do we need a, need a physical rest, but a spiritual one as well. And, uh, and I think that's very interesting. We've talked about it in here before, how you know, even scientifically we've recognized the importance of rest. You know, whenever we, we started school, what, two weeks ago, and in all the hundreds of little pieces of paper and things that you have to sign, one of them talks about the importance of your child getting rest. And uh, whenever we have testing coming up, you know, at some point in the year, whenever they do that, they'll send something home and says, make sure your child gets eight hours of sleep, you know, before they take the test. You know, that, that's the key, I'm sure, right? But we do recognize that it's important. Physically, it's important for us to get rest. But Jesus is talking about more than that. He's talking about a spiritual rest. He he says in there, you can find a rest for your soul. You know, and that's kind of hard to explain, right? What does that mean, a rest for your soul? Well, you know, it's, it's it's that knowing that everything is going to be okay. It's having that security that, that, okay, life is going to be okay. We're going to make it, right? That, there's, there's a rest that can be found there. But I want to talk about the analogy that Jesus uses. He talks about uh, this yoke. And in, in order to, to, to experience this rest in God, we first have to realize that we are weary and burdened, right? 
And, and that's, you know, <laughs> depending on the, the time in your, in your life, you can say, oh, that's definitely me. I'm weary and burdened every day by five o'clock. You know, <laughs> I'm exhausted. But the reality is, is I think a lot of times we don't really want to admit that we're weary and burdened because that comes across as a sign of weakness, right? It's like, oh, we, you can't handle it, you know, and, and, and there's part of us that doesn't want to admit that. We, you know, and, and the thing is, is that it's not a sign of weakness. Being weary and burdened is something that all of us experience no matter what. You know, it's not like, oh, you just can't handle it and that's why you're burdened. No, that word burden, that's like the, the weight of the world has been put upon you. The, you know, the, the things that we experience in life, it is too much to handle. You know, it's like going into the weight room and putting 400 pounds on the bench press, right? And if you, you tried to do that, most people in here, I'm going to say, would just get crushed, right? Is that because you're weak? No, it's because very, very, very few people can lift 400 pounds, right? Like, that's not because you're weak. And so whenever Jesus is saying, come to me all who are weary and burdened, it's like everyone is weary and burdened. And we, at some point, we kind of need to recognize that, man, we can't do this on our own. We do need help. And so then Jesus moves to this example of uh, of. This the yoke, and I if if you uh, the yoke that's such an old word, and it's like really weird to even say, you know, yoke. We just don't use that. We, that's only used for an egg now, right? But uh, the 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 yoke we we have woke now though that that's become a, a new word. We're not we're not woke here though, but uh, or I'm not I'm I'm not able to do that. But uh, but the uh, the the word yoke. It's simply, and I picture two big old oxen, right? And uh, the yoke is what would connect them together, right? So it'd go around the, the one oxen, and then it would go across, and it'd go around the other, and they would be used to pull the plow. That's, that's basically what it was. And, uh, and so the yoke connected the two oxen. And so what Jesus is saying is he says, my yoke is easy, right? But I, one thing that I really, I don't know, the, the image just really jumped out to me here is uh, the, the yoke is required or requires two things, right? It's connecting two different things. And, and what Jesus is saying is he's like, you know, if you're not going to accept me and you're not going to accept my help and enter into my rest, it's kind of like if it was just one oxen, or it wouldn't be one oxen, it would be one ox that is plowing the field, but still has the yoke, right? And so you'd have this one yoke, and it would just be hanging down over here, and it'd be getting in the way, and the ox would be tripping over it. It wouldn't be doing any good, so you'd be working, it would be working twice as hard to get the same thing done, right? Jesus He's acknowledging, hey, life is not easy. You're going to have to get the job done. You're going to have to go through life. But why don't you go through it with me right beside you? See, so often we view Jesus and, and we view God kind of as the one who's doing the reins, right? And just telling us, go, go, go this way or that way or whatever. And, and it can become an impersonal relationship if we're not careful. What Jesus is saying right here is like, no, I want to be right beside you. I'm going to be plowing the field with you. 
And in fact, that's the way that you were created, is for me to be right beside you, helping you through life. And if you choose not to do that, guess what? You're still going to have to go through life. You're still going to have to go through the ups and the downs, but you're going to have a lot more weight on you because you're not allowing me to help you. You know, and it, it is so important for us to recognize that Jesus wants to come alongside us and wants to help us and wants to give us the strength and help us to find rest for our souls, right? And this doesn't mean that life gets easy. It doesn't mean that we can just sit back and do nothing. No, it means that we still have to go through the difficulties of life, but that we have someone right beside us who gives us strength and who encourages us and who gives us rest. And isn't it it amazing how Jesus subtly here connects working really hard, right, but with rest. That in the midst of the difficulty of life, in the midst of working through life, we can still find rest in him if we allow him to come alongside of us. You know, whenever I think about the people in these towns that Jesus would have gone through and been talking about, you know, the reason that they probably rejected Jesus, some of them would have been because they didn't like what Jesus was saying. Right? They're like, you know, no, I don't, I don't want to acknowledge that I'm not good enough or I don't want to acknowledge that I need help or I don't want to acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Right? Some of them were probably just too prideful. You know, I, I've been doing life just fine on my own. Why do I need extra help? And, you know, that's the thing is that we can actually make it through life. One ox could plow the field with the yoke, right? But it would be a lot harder. It would take a lot more energy and it would wear you down. But sometimes we get into that mode, you know what? Why, do, why, why should I put the energy into changing? I'm just going to do it on my own. And the problem with that is that it leads to an unrestful life. And eventually that catches up to you. And I think sometimes Jesus is up there saying, man, I just want to give you some rest. Rest for your soul. The song that we introduced just a little bit ago, and you've probably heard it before if you've listened on the radio, but it's called Come to the Table. You know, and and it's such a, such a good song, and there's, there's a lot of lyrics in here that are really cool. But, uh, but the, the picture, I, I love the picture because it's, it really is talking about entering into a time of rest. Right? Come to the table. The table, that is a, a restful picture. Right? It's a welcoming picture that you enter into that place with God. And, uh, and I want to read uh, the words to, to the song, Come to the Table. It says, we all start on the outside, the outside looking in. This is where grace begins. We were hungry, we were thirsty, with nothing left to give. Oh, the shape that we were in, right? So it starts off in this, this picture that we're all on the outside looking in. We're all kind of trying to go through life um, on our own. 
and we're just getting weary, right? But yet that's the moment that Jesus is saying, no, there's more. I'm offering you something different. It says, come meet this motley crew of misfits, right? What a, what a cool line that is. These liars and these thieves, there's no one unwelcome here. So that sin and shame that you've brought with you, you can leave it at the door and let mercy draw you near. Right? How cool is that? You know, this idea, it doesn't matter how long we've been plowing the field without the, our partner. Right? It doesn't matter how long we've been messing up, we've been stumbling, we've done things that we shouldn't do. God is always offering, come to the table. You don't have to keep doing it on your own. Accept my help. And then the, the bridge says, to the thief and to the doubter, to the hero and the coward, to the prisoner and the soldier, to the young and to the older, all who hunger, all who thirst, all the last and all the first, all the paupers and the princes, all who failed, you've been forgiven. All who dream and all who suffer, all who lo- loved and lost another, all the chained and all the free, all who follow, all who lead. Anyone who's been let down, all the lost you have been found, all have been labeled right or wrong to everyone who hears this song. It's talking about everyone in life. That's a picture of life, right? Sometimes we're the prince, sometimes we're the pauper, right? Sometimes we're the ones that that things are going well, sometimes life is going to hell, (laughs) right? That wasn't meant to happen. It just, I'm a poet. (laughs) (laughs) But life is crazy, right? And we've all been in those positions. And what Jesus is saying is, man, I want you to be able to find rest. Why go and endure life on your own when you're going to experience those highs and lows? Why not allow me to come and help? And the chorus said, come to the table. Come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down and be set free. Come to the table. And you know, I have in my head this picture of wearing the yoke of life, right? But yet right beside us. Walking beside us is our Savior. Why would we want to go through life without him right beside us, helping us through the good times, through the bad times, when we're experiencing the ups and the downs of life? God is not the one back there with the reins. He's right beside us in the mess of life. We're not his employee, right? He is right there with us. And I encourage you to enter into his rest, to experience that rest for your soul. You know, that's different for all of us. We all find it differently. But man, it starts with realizing that Jesus wants to be right beside you. And it doesn't matter how weary or burdened you are. He has an answer. And he will help you find rest for your soul. Let's pray together.
Dear God, we thank you for the rest that we can find in you. Lord, and I pray that you will teach us how to allow you to give us rest. That we will remember that we're never in this alone. That you walk beside us. That you bring us to your table. That you set us free. Free to rest in you. Lord, I thank you so much for loving us and for joining us in life and walking with us through the ups and the downs. We thank you for the rest that we can find in you. In Jesus' name we ask Amen. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.